Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one two. <clears throat> Mic check one two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. House came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I wanted. I do have a topic I want to talk about today. So the TikTok kids got me again, and they got me on this trend to manifest things. So basically, like, well, you know what manifesting is, like, essentially, like, you're just supposed Mm -hmm. to, like, write down what you want out of the universe and, like, really just put, like, positive energy towards it, towards it happening to you, like, light a candle, like, da-da-da-da. So... I don't know if I manifested my agent, like I was kind of talking to her beforehand, but that was a positive thing that I wrote down that I would like to have from the universe and it provided. But then, you know, my toxic ass had to, I went into the troves of what you can manifest and people were manifesting texts from their exes. Oh no. Yeah. And I decided I need some apologies from people. So I manifested a text from someone in my past that has wronged me. Um, And basically, I think I did that last weekend. I did that Saturday last weekend. Saturday, I didn't sleep very well. Sunday, I felt like there was bad energy in my apartment. Monday, I didn't sleep at all. And like a couple weird things happened to me Monday night. Like I... I play thunderstorms to go to bed and I tried to play my thunderstorms on my Alexa. And she was like, "Eh," like come back again later and talk. Like she's like, try again later. And I just heard like some weird noises. It was just a bad energy. So basically I manifested a demon back into my life. I had to sage my whole apartment. Um, And Anyway, we're not doing that anymore. Like, so this you didn't even get the text. So all that no, I didn't even get the fucking text. Oh um, my god! I don't want it anymore, though. I don't want all this dark magic thing around me. I it's, I don't need the text that bad. But anyway, if you all are trying to manifest things from your ex, the TikTok kids don't tell you. Do not manifest bad people back into your life. Like my friend Augusta is like a pseudo witch, and she could tell you how you're doing it wrong because she's the manifesting queen. I mean, I know how I'm doing it wrong. I'm trying to manifest a narcissist back into my life. Yeah, genius idea, Chloe. (laughs) Um. Anyway, podcast episodes do we have to record for you to realize that's a bad idea? Listen, I'm work in progress. (laughs) Progress not perfection. Except I literally told you yesterday, you're the perfectionist in my life that I need. My apartment is saved and all is back to normal now. Um, 
for anyone who was concerned. Uh, what's going on with you? Um, I am good. Um, I have been enjoying, I feel like um, when I was filming my projects, my life was moving a little faster. Now my life is back into being a little bit slower. And, you know, I like that cadence because I feel like when your life is moving faster, you then appreciate when it starts to move a little bit slower because I can catch up on work. I can, um, I think that I remember things that like I don't necessarily need to do, but it would be nice if I did. And some of those things that like would be nice actually end up helping you moving forward. So yeah, I guess I just appreciate, um, life's ebb and flows and how um pace of life is constantly changing yeah. namaste speaking of uh psychic energy we have somebody who is the creator of something called crystal and chelsea that also falls into this realm so let's go chat with our guests today all right so we're so excited to welcome camille corbett to the podcast thanks for joining us thank you for having me guys of course so camille is a writer actress just overall badass living in LA doing the thing. And then you were just saying you are writing for a Netflix show right now. Is that right? Yes. Um, I'm currently writing on Dad Stop Embarrassing Me. Um, it's basically a Netflix show about Jimmy Fox and his daughter and like her growing up with him. That's awesome. Oh, wow. How did you come across that opportunity? Um, wow. Well, basically, well, I, I was like an assistant in TV for a while and like there was like this netflix exec i really wanted to meet with and he was like kind of like shy about meeting me but yeah and then um basically like i worked with his former production company he really liked my work and then his friend and then like my friend who's like ended up being his coordinator she had like read a novel i'd wrote previously and when she was at a talent agency and so she read my like newest work and before i even met with them they loved it and they thought it'd be perfect for this show so they submitted me and um I pitched like five episodes and like I was able to be in the show um work on it and I got staffed and um they one of the episodes that I pitched became the second episode of the show which was really dope so when you were an assistant um did you kind of know you wanted to gravitate towards writing or you know like oh yeah yeah. Um, like I was published for the first time when I was like 15 years old. Oh, wow. And so like, I knew I wanted to be a writer. Like my first thing wasn't a script. It was like a weird religious poem about Jesus dying on the cross. Like, and now what I write is like sex comedy. So it's like vastly different. <laughs> but yeah, I, and then, so like, I always wanted to be a writer. And so like, I actually studied like writing in college and like, I graduated when I was 20 and I was just like, when I graduate, I'm only gonna get paid for my writing. And I did that, but I wasn't making a lot of money. So then I was just like, okay, I just need to focus like on doing the sort of writing I want to do, which is like creative writing and the creative writers that make the most money currently in the world, I think is TV writers. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna try my hand at that. So that's why I even moved to LA. And like, I worked really hard to even be an assistant in the TV writer's room. Those jobs are really coveted. They're honestly harder to get than being a TV writer. Cause like, when you think about it, like there's like 10 writers in the room, there's only like three assistants. So it was a great experience. Like I worked on Nightfall, I worked on The Terror, I worked on All My Block. Um, and it was like a great experience being an assistant. Yeah. I'm curious about your Fulbright program also. Oh yeah, I did a Fulbright. Um, so basically um, a Fulbright is like, you can either like do research 
or teach for a year um, and you have to be approved by a country, the United States and um, what is it called again? The United Nations. And so um, I knew I wanted to go to Turkey Um, when I was in college. I was like a national merit scholar and they paid me to be there because I was at Alabama because, yeah, whatever. It was Alabama. (laughs) And I um, like I knew like I wanted to do Fulbright. And so like I sort of like planned for it and like prepped for it. And like I'd like been able to like study abroad basically in the UK. And so I went like during vacations, like everywhere in Europe I wanted to go and like Turkey was like the last place. And I knew it was like a pretty safe Middle Eastern country. So then like I applied for it. um, And I applied, I think like my first semester of like my senior year. Um, And then like you find out like the top of second semester, like um, if you've gotten through one round and I think there's like one or two more rounds where they like wheedle more people out. And then um, I luckily got it. And it was just like based off the same application. So it's even more nerve wracking that like you yeah. can't like redo it or, you know, like add cream to the cake or anything. So I got it and I was like very lucky and it was a great experience. I taught at a Turkish university for a year um, and I was like 21 years old. So I taught English as a second language and English lit, um, which I love. Like I was an English major and a film major. And yeah, I mean, I actually ended up dating one of my students. Mm. He was older than me because I was 21 years old teaching in a college. <laughs> so it was like, okay. But yeah, it was a really great experience. I had to learn Turkish through immersion. Like I'm okay at it. Like I can understand it and I could speak ish, but I mean, I'm nowhere as good as like, I've s- studied Spanish for like years. I'm so much better than Turkish yeah. because I, even after immersion, they act like immersion is so great, but it's not. But <laughs> it was a great experience. My mom is also a Fulbright scholar. When I was six months old, we lived in Sweden because she was teaching in political uh, science. Sweden? That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Doing Fulbright, I recommend everyone to do it. You should do it. Um, because it's just I don't like know a, what I'd get in. <laughs> free vacation. Like, I don't know why they do it, but like, it's. A, I mean, I, I do know why they do it. I looked up to the history of Fulbright, but like, it's insane that they just pay like these smart people to like, just be in another country for a year. And it's like, you're comfortable. It's not like you're like scrounging for pennies or anything like that. And it's like, you learn so much from um like a country and just being there, it really humbles you. Yeah, I, and so it's amazing that your mom was a Fulbright scholar. One of my favorite professors was a Fulbright scholar, and that's why I even wanted to do it. Also, oh, Sylvia wow. Plath was one. Yeah. I'm curious about dating in Turkey, though. What was that like? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, it was like, again, like, my Turkish wasn't that good. Like, my roommate knew Turkish, so she had a bigger dating pool. Because, like, basically in Turkey, only, like, really wealthy people, like, can speak English. And so... I basically, like, could only date, like, someone that, like, had lived in a country that wasn't, like, Turkey before or, like, was rich enough to, like, get good schooling. So I joined this, like, Turkish gym, and I would, like, um, they were they were rich because, like, it was, like, an expensive membership, I guess, in Turkey. But for me, like, with the American dollar being three one to three, you know, mm-hmm. I it was very cheap. And so I, um, 
first dated someone there like from the gym but he was like a little bit too old for me but it was like he spoke really good english and like he was taller than me and so low standards because <laughs> it was like i was in a small village in turkey it wasn't like i was like in istanbul or ankara i was like in a village so it was like even less people and yeah his like family was wealthy but then um i ended up dating one of my students and he used to live in germany he was like a german turk and so it made it easier I guess he was technically rich too because he get, he owned the bakery, but like I don't consider that that rich. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in like Emily and Paris, where they like get on her for not being able to speak French, and then like all of a sudden everyone just speaks English like around her. Yeah, like, so funny. Everyone was speaking English, so I was like, okay, that's not how it works. Like. <laughs> Turkey, people would actually try and it was sad. And sometimes it like made my life harder in all honesty. Because they would pretend like they knew. They'd be like, I know English. And then they would tell me like they didn't understand anything I was saying. And yeah, like it's it was like really traumatizing because like everyone was like, I know English. And then they didn't. It was different though, like when I was in other places in the Middle East that were like Arab. Because like 80% of Arab speakers speak English. So mm-hmm. it's like it's so much easier. They all speak English, but in Turkey, like no one spoke English and Turkish is a critical language and there's not many cognates from other languages. Like you have some- It's not a romance language. Yeah, there's no romance language. I think the closest language to it is Japanese (laughs) and they have like some cognates with like, like Arabic, but it's just because it's like based off like Islam, so it's usually like terms like that. So, like it wasn't like yeah, it it was weird that no one spoke English, and so like the few people that did were very helpful, and they weren't like mean about it. I will say though that like it, um, because of the way I look, they really weren't used to seeing like black people that look like me. Like they were, they had like seen like Africans before. But, like, they'd never seen, like, um, like a light-skinned Black person. So, like, I got followed a lot. Like, people always ask for photos with me. Like, I got called, like, Beyonce, like, Beyonce Rihanna, Khaleesi. Like, and also people would, like, miss, um, like, you know, like, name my ethnicity. Mm. And would say it in a xenophobic and racist way they would be like go back to Iraq or Syria because they would think I was Arab because that was the only like thing that they could think that I was because they just hadn't seen people that look like me before and it was just like it was like unnecessary racist because like also like Arabs from like Syria and Iraq look white so (laughs) I was like confused I was like you're being racist towards like the wrong type of Arab or whatever (laughs) I'm more of like a Yemeni vibe, but (laughs) (laughs) Egyptian, not (laughs) that. So it was like very interesting experience to see like racism is everywhere, just like towards different people. Yeah, That's interesting because I wanted to ask you, I've been watching Rami and the episode that I just, so good. I just finished the episode where he goes to Egypt and I wanted to see like what you thought about based on your experience also writing in TV, like how you thought representation is changing in the industry now so that like in America also we're also more aware of other cultures. So yeah, like I um, love Rami. I am obsessed with that show. Me too. Um, I like tracked it before like they made it. So like <laughs> when you're like a writer and you have like management in TV, you can like 
get like scripts and like tracking boards for certain projects before they even air or like before like a studio really decides on them and so I like saw like Rami's like progress and at the same time there was like um a Middle Eastern family sitcom by ABC that was supposed to be made and like that fell through and I thought that was for sure and I was like Middle East I, mean, I, I was like so sure it was gonna be like Middle Eastern blackish it was gonna blow everything out of the water and um it didn't get made it was kind of weird those like mainstream shies away but like Rami like FX is like bold like I used to be a temp on the Fox lot and I temped at FX and like they know their content. They're very talented at what they do and they're a well-oiled machine and they choose the right stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think um, Rami is an example of that. Um, I know it's on Hulu, but FX is now owned by Hulu. Yeah. Yeah, My best friend works at Hulu, so I know the ins and outs of, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so I think that um, it's like amazing that that show exists there needs to be more of them like there needs to be more Middle Eastern representation actually like for my Fulbright that was like sort of like how I got it like I wrote about like how I there needs to be more Middle Eastern representation in media and I wanted to go there so I could like help tell their stories and so like I do like my first sample was a Middle Eastern family script sample was a Middle Eastern family sitcom and it gives me hope like because I'm not Middle Eastern when I pitch it, people will literally tell me, like, they're not interested in Middle Eastern content because, like, there's still, like, sort of, like, a divide there. Like, people are still racist and xenophobic um, since 9-11. Like, yeah. we're still dealing with those wounds. But, like, I feel like as a member of media, it's important to realize that, like, some media is moralistic. And that goes beyond just, like, pressing like Christian or whatever beliefs onto people or like telling people not to smoke like I think that it also involves like making people feel beautiful and seen and Mm -hmm. heard it's like growing up I didn't watch a lot of tv just because I was like I didn't really vibe with a lot of it it really had to be outstanding you know because like there just wasn't like a lot of relatable content to me because I was like you know like a young black woman in the south and I'm of Jamaican descent and like I just like never seen like and I just wasn't well represented and so Mm -hmm. like I would like sort of very rarely watch tv and I feel like their television like people act like a lot of people are watching it but they're also like alienating a lot of people too it's like there shouldn't be more diverse stories in books which are like notoriously known for being like white male centric Mm-hmm. But, like, there's more diversity there than in television where, like, everyone, like, acts like they're so, like, hippie and liberal. And so it's kind yeah. of interesting. Um, and that representation needs to be reckoned with. And that starts with, like, hiring people who are choosing the projects to be, like, you know, of different races and backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds as well. Because, like, as it stands, like the same sort of people are choosing the same sort of content and there's, it's telling a very one-sided story and a lot of people are not allowing their voices to be heard and they're really cool stories that a lot of people might be attracted to, you know? But you're losing these people because you don't even like bother, you don't even tread those waters. Right. Diversity is getting better, but like, I mean, it should have been getting better a while ago. Like, it's just like, it's still a new concept. People are still like, ooh, diversity is a trend. Like, yeah, that's disturbing. 
you know yeah. like that's disturbing it's like diversity is not a trend it's like something that should have happened it's weird that it has and it's weird that like there's only been one sort of person in media for so long yeah, yeah. and honestly I'm tired of seeing the same stories and I know that like in order for us to continue to have new fresh voices their diversity has to continue otherwise we'll be stuck in 90s like dumb sex comedies where dudes like basically lightly rape women in them all the time (laughs) (laughs) can't go back to that era we've moved past that I'm curious what your take is on, because I've heard a lot of different opinions on this, like from casting on like if a Jamaican girl should play a Jamaican, a role written for a Jamaican girl, or if it's okay if like a Nigerian girl or something plays a role written for a Jamaican girl, or do you think that it should stick to the same? It depends how historic the role is. I remember seeing a star, a son is also a star and Yara Shahidi plays like a Jamaican American girl. It was like the first time I'd ever seen like a Jamaican American girl in a movie before and I was Mm -hmm. like what and um yeah it was like kind of weird because she's like Persian Mm. and like black and so but I was like happy for the story to be told but at the same time I was just like they could like because I'd really never seen anyone that was like Jamaican American like you know have a movie and it was based off a book with a Jamaican American author, so it just made me feel like you probably should have had yeah <clears throat> like that. But when it's like not as historic, when it's like you're sort of inundated with a bunch of people, I can see like if it's like a Mexican artist using a Venezuelan person, you know, like mm-hmm. I I get that. Um, but like there are sometimes when like even though they are the right you know ethnicity, they might not be like right visually like when zoe zaldana played um nina simone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that was weird <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh no it was gloria estefan i think i can't remember yeah whoever it was it was weird and she basically wore blackface because like zoe zaldana was like my skin mm-hmm. tone and then she played literally a woman that is like chocolatey brown and so <laughs> It was like disturbing to see. And then she also wore a prosthetic nose. Oh god. <laughs> it was just like because if it was like a white person, people would went crazy, but I'm like, you should have equally went crazy for that. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So it's like while you do want to have the same ethnicity, like there's like multiple things that need to like be right. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, I liked what you said about the people buying the scripts are still like, they're still not diversifying them. Because it's like, I think we're finally like, after so long, starting to recognize the importance of like, diversifying the cast and diversifying the writers room. But at the end of the day, if the people buying the scripts, are you feel like the writers room has a long way to come with diversity too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the stat is like, WGA writers are still 70% like white males mm-hmm. and like 30% women. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's pretty disturbing, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's it like been, like being an actor and writer? Because I've had friends who, like I have a friend who's a writer on Insecure and she was trying to make the transition into the acting world. And I know it was like a little bit more difficult for her, like to get her agents to see her as an actor. Um, 
I actually had to leave my manager because I felt like she wasn't like, you know, pushing me and like selling me in that way. And like, she was like sort of being detrimental to me when it came to um, acting. Like I wanted to do it. Like I would, like I made a pilot where I starred in it and I like studied theater. And so it was like important for me to like act. And so I basically like was, I had to like, that was one of the reasons why I left her, but that was like one of the main reasons why I left her. I was like, you should have sent my materials to more people to get me repped as an actor. You know what I mean? Because like my agent, like I told her what I wanted immediately. Like I had, like, I was very lucky in the fact that like I had a talent agent that was interested in working with me. Um, and but she made it happen and it's important for your reps to like reach out but you also have to like have put the work in like you have to have like examples of your work like recent examples of your work like within the past like year or six months to show that you're really like passionate and then I'm also rep like for commercial talent and I was lucky in the fact that um like someone reached out to me like I worked with like a headshot photographer and she was also commercial director and she loved my look and she just wanted to work with me again. So she reached out for like a commercial and then like the head of commercial talent above world saw my photo and just wanted to work with me, which is like excellent. Um, that I, I've never had anything like that happen to me, but I also have like a lot of body of work, like modeling, like I've been modeling for the past two years consistently. Like there hasn't been like a month I went by not having a shoot. So it's important, like, if you want to be taken seriously as talent and for writing, you have to put the same amount of effort in. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of effort. It's hard. Like, I had a pitch yesterday and I had two auditions yesterday, you know, like, and that's a lot of work. One audition in which I had to, like, cry, which... And I wasn't done till like 3 a.m. last night, you know, doing all of that. And like, I also like, I'm working on other projects and then I had to wake up and do like a general with like complex this morning. So it's just like, you just have to know how to balance it and like want it badly enough. Um, and your agents have to see that. Like my agent saw me consistently posting like little sketches that I would do. I would always like do like little sketches every morning so she would see it and post it on social media until she was just like, yeah, someone should be paying her to do all this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. I think it's like it's all about your work ethic too. And I know like Lauren and I work really hard, but it's just there's so much media today too. And like people are on TikTok posting all the time. Like if you don't if you think your face is just going to get you somewhere like these days, it's not like, it's all about your work ethic. Yeah. It's just like consistency. You will slowly reap rewards. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you have time to date while doing all that? God, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of boyfriends, but like I have one now and I think he's a keeper. He's cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's like a writer too, so he understands the vibe. He's like a writer's assistant on power. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so he understands and like he does like my self tapes. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like very helpful um to have him like supporting me because like I dated like other dudes that like were not as supportive towards my career or like they were, but like they were clearly like jealous or like upset or like felt inferiority 
even if they were way more successful than me, like it didn't even have anything to do with that. It was just like, they they wanted to be the special one. It was Mm -hmm. like, why can we both be special? So it's like balancing someone that doesn't want you to like have to sacrifice yourself to be with them. I think that's important. Like, I feel like a lot of people I've dated have wanted me to sacrifice parts of who I am to just be with them. It's like, no one is worth that. No. Truly no one is worth that. Right I was now. just curious, did you meet in a writing setting or yeah. like on an app? Yeah. <laughs> no, we met on an app. We met on okay. Tinder, which is kind of interesting. And I actually met him when he was like a writer's assistant on Empire. And I was like a writer's PA on like some historical drama show called Nightfall. And um, yeah, we like sort of like hit it off. And then like we broke up after like three dates. And then we didn't talk to each other for like um like a year or two and we saw each other at like this party this industry party um that like my friend threw and like it was kind of crazy we saw each other and then we immediately started dating after that wow it was like in february oh right before the pandemic yeah got very lucky (laughs) (laughs) and yeah we've been like dating ever since Oh, that's awesome. You're going to give everyone hope listening that they can get back with their exes, but... Oh, no! I mean, we didn't date for that long, though, so that's, like, the crux of it. Like, if we had, like, a full-on relationship where there were lots of wounds, I feel like it would have been, like, harder to reconcile that, but because it was just, like, normal. Like, I was, like, dating two dudes for a while like after like we broke up I immediately started dating one dude and then I was like dating another dude at like the same time it was just like off and on back and forth um for like two years and like once I like met him I like broke up with both of them wow so you know well I mean I just like you know they're annoying like (laughs) I they're stressful people and I just didn't want them in my life anymore and when I saw this normal human being like mentally balanced I was just like oh this is how you're supposed to be acting yeah this is what it's like when you're not dating a narcissist <laughs> you're like, <laughs> waiting for an excuse here it is <laughs> awesome well do you feel like before it just kind of didn't work out because of timing it seems like it was like not very like hostile yeah. yeah he was just like I'm busy he was just yeah. like too busy he had just started his job and like I get it he was like an assistant before in like a production company and that grind is so different than the writer's room like a writer's room is like a little bit more like you know lush chill environment and it's like a job that's really hard to get so like people really covet it and work hard for it so he just didn't think he had time for me and that was fine because I was just like every there's loads of dudes that want to smash so like I got two lined up it's fine (laughs) yeah literally it was like it's fine and at the time like he wasn't like as good sexually as he is now so I was like okay with it I was like I don't know if I could commit to this (laughs) I get some experience and then come back to me with a better resume (laughs) that's what happened Well, I wanted to ask you too, because I saw you posted the poster today, which looks awesome for Crystal and Chelsea that you're working on now. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Crystal and Chelsea is about a psychic that scams white women into being less racist. Mm. It's like, don't trust the bitch in apartment 23 meets Miss Cleo. That's the perfect tagline. I love it. Yay. (laughs) 
um, yeah, it took me a while to make. Um, we did like a Kickstarter for it. And like our biggest donor was Dana Shannon, the creator of Modern Family, and Derek Hughes, who's like an executive producer on Arrow and Legacies. And um, it was like kind of incredible. We got a Panavision grant for a million dollars worth of equipment. And we shot it in January. And like I pulled a lot of favors, like basically every favor I had. And like I starred in it, I produced it, I did production design. Like it was a lot, but it was fun. And it was literally the hardest thing I ever did and like now like a post house is um doing our coloring for us which is really nice and it's um finishing up the last stages of being sound mixed and it should be done by the end of the year and I'm super excited we're gonna like pitch it and if that fails then we're gonna submit it to festivals and I think it'll do well there that's awesome, that's awesome. congratulations that's really cool Thank yeah you. super cool I was going to say from the stills, it looks like you have a love interest in it. Is that true? Oh, yes. Terrell. He's so talented. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the show, his name is um, Adrian. But in real life, his name is Terrell. And I actually met him at a Groundlings audition. Um, and I was just like, he's so funny. And I was like, I thought he was also really hot. And I like wanted <laughs> to work with him. I was like... <laughs> And he, like, loved the script. And he actually, like, flew from a movie he was shooting in New York to come and be in Crystal and Chelsea. Wow. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, like, have you had, because we get this question a lot, like, any competition with your boyfriend being both in the entertainment industry? Or how do you feel about dating somebody in the same industry as you? I don't really feel competition towards anyone because it's, like, I have my own set of goals and what I want to happen. And I feel like a lot of people don't have those goals. So I am not jealous because I don't feel like, um, if when I meet someone that I feel like maybe like would have a similar goal to me, I'd feel that way. But I just know the lane that I want to do. And I don't think I will tread on anyone's toes. But um, when it comes to my boyfriend, no, I want him to be successful because then he'll be able to buy me more things, which would be cool. So I definitely want him to be super successful because like it'll only benefit me. Like writing is all about nepotism. If he's like super successful, he can just hire me and I could like, you know, just live off his coattails, you know, like I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't think like you should like, and when it comes to like TV writing or like, you know, acting be like nervous about like riding on someone's coattails because it's like so many people do it so many live so many people like live off like their parents name mm -hmm. or like whoever their dating's name that like if you have like a genuine connection with someone and you like them and you know that you are talented it's like fuck it like you also deserve to be there yeah totally. i'm not really like concerned about competition because i feel like whatever is his would be mine yeah that's awesome yeah, I think that's a great way to view it. Um, well, getting into our letter. I feel yeah, like and a phenomenal way to intro our letter. <laughs> Dear damsels, I've recently begun writing more, something that I used to truly love, but strayed away from a bit due to a demanding corporate world job. Since I've been back to it, I've been submitting some of my projects, particularly my poetry, to some outlets and it has gotten a bit of pickup that I'm pretty excited about. A lot of my writing draws upon my previous dating experience and some shitty encounters that I've had with men in the past. I'm now in a loving relationship, though, and while he was very supportive of my writing, I don't always feel comfortable sharing these things with him. He's never pushy, but does always offer to read, think, 
read, but does always offer to read over things for me if I need him to. But quite frankly, I just don't. For some reason, it is easier for me to just let him see it publicly posted than to share it with him personally. I'm worried that he might one day get offended by what he sees, and I'm also worried that my inability to open up and share my writing with him may be a bad sign for our relationship. What are your thoughts? Sincerely, emotional block. I feel like if you are afraid to share your writing, that's something you need to get over if you want to be like a professional writer. But if you don't, that's fine. But like, if you do, like it goes beyond like your boyfriend, I feel like at a certain point, like that should be like your safest person. So once you overcome that, maybe you can overcome other people reading. But I don't know if she's afraid of other people reading as well. I guess not. So I don't know. So I, I feel like it's inevitable. Like I have a novel that I wrote, the sort of erotica, and I don't want my family to read it. They're gonna be so disgusted by me. <laughs> well, do you do you feel like you show your boyfriend now like a lot of your writing or what's that? Yeah, really? he reads everything. Even yeah. like my like sex comedies about other relationships. He likes it though. <laughs> yeah. It's like well written. So he's just like, oh, this is entertaining. It's horrifying that you went through this, but this is entertaining. <laughs> Yeah. so he can look at it like objectively like artistically which is nice yeah also like I know some people are weird about asking like their significant others about past relationships for me it's always benefited like I remember in the beginning I've been dating someone for five years and like that person I um asked them about their dating life like very well on the beginning and he definitely thought it was weird that I like asked him 20 questions on it but I'm a 20 questions person so like once you get to know me better like then I don't think it would be weird but I had a friend recently who um was dating somebody for a year and got broken up with and like that person within a month they were living together immediately got with somebody new and like before that yeah before she started dating him he had broken up with somebody like a month before that he had also been dating and I had always said to her like do you know anything about his previous relationship and she was like no but like we're together now so I'm not worried about the past but then he then repeated that same behavior with somebody else so for me I think it's honestly beneficial that you lay everything out on the table like my boyfriend knows that I was a serial dater he knows that I didn't like make the best decisions and I think that that's like good because yeah, like at first telling him it felt vulnerable because I was afraid that he was going to like judge me for that or think differently of me. But like at some point, if you want a long lasting relationship, then that person needs to accept you for like literally everything about you. You can't change those things that happen. So like, let's just lay it out on the table. So I feel like the fact that you don't feel comfortable sharing this information with somebody who like you're choosing to like give the title and give that honor to that they get to date you, then you really honestly need to be questioning why you feel uncomfortable. Like, are you one embarrassed about it? What haven't you come to terms with, with these past relationships? Like, I think you need to take a deeper look in yourself and see what's making you uncomfortable if you're okay sharing it with the world, but not the person that's like kind of the closest to you. Yeah. Person that you let inside you. Yeah. (laughs) yeah literally (laughs) yeah 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 I feel like in the past I've just kind of dated some I don't know how to say it well it's funny that you were like how do they just move on in a month because like ask any of my ex-boyfriends because they somehow finished what um (laughs) I feel like that's psychopathic like that's clear something's wrong with you mentally yeah, yeah, it's just like we had someone talking about attachment styles I think it has to do with that but um yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've just in the past had a lot going on. Like, it's like, like you, like you were saying, like, you're like, I did two auditions, I did this. And then they were like, I went to work and came home. So it's like, 
sometimes I think I feel I would in the past feel a little bit like I don't want to like say everything I did and like show you everything I did and like you can just see it on Instagram when I post it or something um but yeah in terms of like opening up and being vulnerable I don't know because it sounds like she's writing about her exes too so that might have like a factor in why she doesn't want him to see it it could be embarrassing yeah but you should talk about your exes that's what that's what I think yeah yeah, but sometimes people do embarrassing crap when it comes to their Yeah. Ass. Yeah. But Chloe, like, I'm still open about it because, like, I feel like that is, like, my brand. But, like, some people are ashamed. Like, I've definitely, like, trashed one of my ex's houses before because he called me a slut. And he deserved it because you can't call women sluts. But, <laughs> but I called my boyfriend because I was, like, I thought it was funny. And <laughs> Yeah. yeah um so yeah I think that it's important to be open but like some people have really embarrassing things that they've done like but don't you think it'd be funny to share with like your current significant other like I know it is depends how psycho it is hmm. <laughs> but I mean that access can make you do crazy things especially yeah, when they're sure mm-hmm. or like maybe like she like has earned respect in this relationship at a level that she wants to maintain and she doesn't want him to realize that she at one point didn't have it you know yeah yeah and chloe what i would wonder about you is that like when you were in more of your serious relationships you hadn't moved to la yet so you weren't like at the pinnacle of your career in the entertainment industry now Mm -hmm. i feel like part of your identity is really who you are in the industry that i feel like it would be incredibly difficult for you to um hide that from somebody so i would wonder like if maybe your lack of interest before in sharing what you were doing in the entertainment realm with your significant other was also because it wasn't fully part of your identity yet I feel like, well, I went on a date here recently when I did like 10 things that week and he didn't like, we were just going over our weeks and he said what he did and unfortunately, you guys are going to yell at me, but I just feel like I was trying to make him feel better. And I was just like, oh yeah, I didn't do that much this week either. Like, which I shouldn't do. No one should do that. Thank you. Sometimes it's too much to explain. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, then I would have to explain what the project was and how it got to there. And like, sometimes it's just like, I just am too tired to explain what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't think it should ever be because you're scared of him judging you because I think in the past I've been very like, oh, I don't want to say this or I don't want to come across crazy or I don't want to like whatever, but the right person is going to accept you for everything because like they're getting you at the, like I'm 29. So some I have 29 years of whatever, of, not of dating, but like, you know. Like, I just, I have a past. So they're going to get it all and they need to accept it all. And if they don't, like, there's the door. Yeah. <laughs> Camille, you've been awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Of course. And tell people where they can find you. I've been following you on Twitter and you're really funny on there. So I'm going to advocate for everyone to at least follow you on there. <laughs> I am on the witty girl on all platforms, just the witty girl. And um, my pilot, if you want to follow it, um, it's on Instagram and Twitter. And it's Crystal and Chelsea. Just Crystal and Chelsea. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so great meeting you. Yeah, it was great being here. You guys are awesome. Yay, she was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, really great conversation. I really like hearing about somebody who was a Fulbright because you really don't hear that every day. No, it's true. That's a big deal. Um, Yeah. And she's doing really cool things, I think. Awesome. Here too, like her experience, like as I'm trying to write this pilot and just what it's been like for her. Cause 
it can be really overwhelming when you're trying to break in and um it's just nice to talk to like-minded people who are on the same yeah and I definitely want to say that like her Kickstarter and getting that funding from um Panavision that's like no joke that's really difficult to do um so the fact that she was able to do that and get a grant for that kind of money is really incredible yeah that's huge and like good for her too because I was just thinking the other day, like, you know, I'm 29 and we always talk about how that's not old, but like, I just can't imagine if I never would have at least tried to do this and tried to do all these things that I want to do because it just like leads to a life of regret down the road. So 100% that, that was always the most terrifying thing for me, like living in regret. Yeah. So yay to badass women doing badass things. Um, Speaking of women doing things. All of you guys and gals need to write us letters. And also, we're going to be hosting a giveaway soon um, in the holiday spirit. So be on the lookout on our social media pages so that you can win a really fun prize. Yes, lots of exciting things coming up. So until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.